This morning we're going to talk about Moses Light. Kind of like Miller Light, but a little different. As we've traveled through um, Acts, one of the phrases that Noel uh, used this morning is just this story of God. The, the Bible really is the story of God. And uh, Acts brings to it just this, this segment of history. And uh, God is, again, active in a part of the world that he's been active for centuries in. And everybody in Acts uh, that we're introduced to, uh, up to this point, have all been people that were either Palestinian Jews. That part of the world was called Palestine. It's really sad. Again, just that people get whacked on what you, what you call. But for centuries, a- after the dispersion of the Jews, it was called Palestine. That's what the Roman Empire called it. That's, it's just that. So the Jews that lived there were called Palestinian Jews. And these Palestinian Jews were the first ones to hear the message of Messiah. And they're the first ones to respond. And they're the first ones to start following. So they're starting to follow Jesus. They remain Palestinian Jews, but now they're following Jesus. And then as, as that message of Jesus, his resurrection, his kingdom, his kingdom coming, as that, as that message progresses, it then moves out into the diaspora. And the diaspora Jew are those Jews that during the exiles, from going back to the Assyrian exile, back to the Babylonian exile, remember God made an agreement with the, the sons, the, the natural sons of, of Abraham, that the kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, he said, here's the covenant, and the stipulations of my covenant are, you know, you, you obey it, and you, you will live wonderfully in the land. Again, God wants to be right in the middle of people on the earth, directing them towards what's best. And then the other part of that was, but you know, if you don't enjoy me by like being right in the middle of you and you, you don't listen to me and you rebel against me, then there's going to be correction and you'll have to leave the land. And so that, that happened. And so Jews left the land under the correction of God, not the rejection of God, it's the correction of God. And they, they, were, they were dispersed all around the Mediterranean basin. And so as the good news of Jesus, the second covenant is coming along, now you've got the message going to these Jews in the diaspora. So all over Asia Minor, into Europe, northern Africa, wherever Jews were, now the message is going. So now you've got diaspora Jews. They share in common the language, the culture, the traditions of the Palestinian Jews. They're just living in other nations. But they're now following Jesus. And then when we get to Paul, and Paul has this special invitation. Paul is a, he's actually a diaspora Jew. He, he grew up in Turkey. He, he's living in Jerusalem at the time of his calling. So he's, you know, has interface with the Palestinian Jew. But, but basically he is a diaspora Jew that's invited to, call, to follow Jesus and has a calling now to take the message to the rest of the world, not to Jewish world but to the Gentile world, to the nations. And so he's doing that. And so now you've got Palestinian Jew, diaspora Jew, and, and Gentile following Jesus. That's what, that's what they all share in common. And the, mess, the message was always the same. Jesus is alive. 
Jesus is the, the Messiah, the King, and his kingdom has arrived, is arriving, and will come in fullness. Would you like to follow him? In order to follow him, you have to turn from what you've been following and begin to follow. That's, that's repentance. So all of these people share that in common. They've heard that invitation. Follow Jesus, whether you're a Palestinian Jew, whether you're a diaspora Jew, whether you're a Gentile. Follow Jesus. Let's follow Jesus. Now, as they did that, the Jew in particular had to begin to figure out, well, okay, I want to follow Jesus, and I know Jesus is inviting us into something new, but what do I do with the old? And so both, well, mainly the, the, the Jew that lives in Palestine, because there's still a temple there until 70 A.D., there, what, what do we do with the temple? What do we do with sacrifice, what, what, what do we do with the law, the Mosaic law? So they're beginning to ask questions. Hey, how does following Jesus and obedience to the Mosaic, how does that work? And then as more and more Gentiles come, then it, re it really kind of the conversation kind of ratchets up. Now, what are we going to do with these? They're not circumcised. And circumcision is the mark of the old covenant for the Jew. So now, and then they're, you know, we're, they're having this conversation. Now, circumcision was never a question for the Jewish follower of Jesus. They, they never, ever questioned whether they should continue the rite of circumcision as a Jew following Jesus. It was, the question was, now that we have Gentiles, should they be circumcised? Should they actually become Jewish in order to follow Jesus? That was the question. Well, that was answered. We've already read about it. But there was a council in Jerusalem. It's in Acts 15. And James, uh, the leader of the church, he was the brother of Jesus. This is his decision. He's speaking for all of the leaders, says this. So here's my decision. We're not going to unnecessarily burden non-Jewish people who turn to the master. We'll write them a letter and we'll tell them, be careful to not get involved in activities connected with idols, to guard the morality of sex and marriage, and to not serve food offensive to Jewish Christians. Blood, for instance. This is the basic wisdom from Moses preached and honored for centuries now in city after city in the Gentile world as we have met and as we have kept the Sabbath. So the answer is no. The Gentile doesn't need to be circumcised. No, the Gentile who's following Jesus doesn't need to become a Jew. They need to be following Jesus and they need to be sensitive to these areas which then keep us together as a group of people following Jesus. You know, all of that comes into the passage we were looking at today. So all of that's kind of background, but you've got to keep it in your mind. All of this is going on all of the time as you're traveling through Acts. So in Acts chapter 21, verse 17 to 26, focus upon the story at this time. In Jerusalem, our friends, glad to see us, received us with open arms. The first thing next morning, we took Paul to see James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem. All the church leaders were there. After a time of greeting and small talk, Paul told the story, detail by detail, of what God had done among the non-Jewish people through his ministry. They listened. 
with the light and gave glory to God. They had a story to tell too. The Jewish believers in Jerusalem. Here's our story. And just look at what's been happening here in Jerusalem. Thousands upon thousands of God-fearing Jews have become believers in Jesus. But there's also a problem. Because they're now more zealous than ever in observing the laws of Moses. They've been told that you advise believing Jews who live surrounded by unbelieving outsiders, those Jews in diaspora who are now following Jesus, they've been told that you tell them, go light on Moses. Telling them that they don't need to circumcise their children. Or they don't need to keep up the old traditions. And this is not sitting well with the Palestinian Jewish believers. We're worried about what will happen when they discover you're in town. There's bound to be trouble. Here's what we want you to do. There are four men from our company who have taken a vow involving ritual purification but have no money to pay the expenses. Join these men in their vows, pay their expenses. Then it will become obvious to everyone that there is nothing to the rumors going around about you and that you are in fact scrupulous in your reverence for the laws of Moses. In asking you to do this, we're not going back on our agreement regarding non-Jews, Gentiles who become believers. We continue to hold fast to what we wrote in that letter, namely, to be careful not to get involved in activities connected with idols, to avoid serving foods offensive to Jewish Christians, and to guard the morality of sex and marriage. And so Paul did it. He took the men. He joined them in their vows, paid their way, and the next day he went to the temple to make it official and stay there until the proper sacrifices had been offered and completed by each of them. Our story begins with, you know, praise to God. To God be all glory. Why are they praising God? Well, first of all, listen to what God's doing in the nations through the ministry of Paul and his team. And what are they talking about? They're talking about thousands of Gentiles who believe Jesus is alive, Jesus is the king, Jesus has brought a kingdom, it's arriving, it's going to arrive, he's the answer to the problems that we're having as human beings. Thousands of people are now following Jesus. And the leaders in the church of Jerusalem say, great, glory to God. Now listen to what he's doing here. What's he doing there? This is what's been happening in Jerusalem. Thousands of God-fearing Jews have believed. Believe what? Believe Jesus is alive. The resurrection's happened. Jesus is the Messiah that was promised by the prophets of old. Jesus is the king. Jesus has introduced a kingdom. The kingdom is arriving. It's not here in fullness, but man, we can't wait. We know that's the answer to the problems of humanity. And then they throw something in there that it should really make us kind of stop for a moment and think. Because these thousands of God-fearing Jews who are now following Jesus, they're now more zealous than ever to obey the law of Moses. 
A real simple way to say that is these Palestinian Jews who are now following Jesus are better Jews than what they were before they met Jesus. Scratch your head. Interesting. And with that, a problem is just just presented. And the problem is simply this. There's rumors. Rumors are always a problem. We somebody's told us. Word has gotten back to these thousands of Jews who are now following Jesus, zealous to be reverent to the laws of Mo, of Moses. They've heard that out there among the nations, you're telling the Jews in the diaspora who live among unbelieving Gentiles, you're, you're telling them to go light on Moses. We, we hear that you're telling them don't, you don't need to circumcise your children anymore. We're hearing that you know, you're telling them there's no need to keep up with the Jewish traditions. That's, that's what it is. And then the, solim- the solution is, I mean, they just say that here, you know, we're, we think there's going to be trouble in town. Imagine that. Trouble belie- between believers. Oh, that's just crazy. Never heard of that, right? Hey, Paul, we want you, we want you to take a Jewish vow. Paul, we want you to demonstrate that even though you are a follower of Jesus, an apostle of Jesus Christ, sent to the, we want you to demonstrate to the Jewish community that's following Jesus in Jerusalem, we want you to demonstrate that you're a good Jew. So we want you to sign up for a Jewish ritual of purification. And not only that, there's four guys here that need to do that. They can't afford it, so we want you to pay their way plus your way. We want you to do that. Will you do that? You know, the crazy thing is, he did it. Now, if we, as we go on with the story, the truth is, it did not keep Paul out of trouble. <laughs> but he did it. So this is what I want you to think about. For a moment, when people in the first century that were Jewish in background began to follow Jesus, they did not stop being Jews. They did not stop being Jews and begin to be Christians. Conversion in the first century was not about a change of religion. It was about following Jesus. And whether you were a Jew in Jerusalem, or whether you were a Jew in Turkey in the diaspora, or whether you were a Gentile in Macedonia. Everybody's being invited to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus regardless of your background. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Now what I'm wondering about is what can we learn from our history and what can we practice with the people that are around us. As you think about that, consider this video. It would mean something to him. So as I listen to Mordecai's story, of kind of a more uh, modern application of what we're reading in our history, what I discover is that When Palestinian Jews believed, they believed Jesus was Yeshua, the Messiah, the Anointed One. 
And they followed Jesus. And they became even more devout as Jesus. And when Paul believed, he believed Jesus was alive. Remember, Jesus appeared to him. I don't think he ever overcame that. And he believed that Jesus was Yeshua. And then he believed that Jesus, as the king, invited him to be the messenger to the Gentile world. He followed Jesus. And through all of his missionary journeys, he remained a devout Jew. He never stopped being a Jew. And then when Gentiles believed, largely because of Paul and those that were his team, well, they believed the same thing. Jesus is the Messiah. He's... He's the promised king. He's alive. The resurrection has happened. A kingdom is coming that will set everything right. They followed Jesus. And they did not become Jews. They're Gentile background believers. They're not Jews. Then to bring in another kind of step closer to home, when Jesus, when, when Susan believed in Jesus... She was in high school. She believed Jesus was the Messiah. He's the promised king. That a kingdom was arriving that would set everything right. That's what she believed. And she started following Jesus. And she could have been an even more devout Episcopalian. Because she traveled out of that Episcopalian church without knowing Jesus, came to know Jesus, and then all of a sudden, having a relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit living in her life, the liturgy of the Episcopal Church just exploded with meaning. We chose not to remain Episcopalian, but she could have. Now, all of those experiences bring me to what I believe the point of what I want to say. What about... See, there's a lot of people with a Catholic background. And sometimes the emphasis has been, well, if you'll stop being a Catholic and become a Protestant. But is that what the New Testament is modeling for? Is that what it's, is that what, is it not really saying when we have Catholic friends, why don't we invite them to follow Jesus with us? And could it be that those that are of a Catholic background begin to believe Jesus is the Messiah? Jesus is alive. The kingdom is arriving. It's going to come in fullness and everything's going to be set right. And could they actually become better Catholics because of that? And what about our Muslim friends? Tragically, a friend yesterday told me this story. A friend was in a Muslim land and they got a knock on the door and they opened the door and there was a Muslim man and he said, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to drink the whiskey. I said, excuse me? You're ready to drink the, the whiskey? He said, yes, I'm ready to follow Jesus and I know that you drink alcohol and eat pork, so I'm ready to drink the whiskey. Boy, time out. I think that's the wrong message. Right? We don't think that, right? I mean, you can drink your whiskey and you can eat your pork. That's okay. But our message to the world is not drink whiskey and eat pork, right? Right? Our message is come follow Jesus. 
And could it be that the thousands and thousands of Muslim men and women right now who are beginning to follow Jesus, that they actually become better Muslims by following Jesus? They actually have greater impact on the Muslim world when they don't become Western Christians. And if it's so with the Muslim, then, I, then it really begins to broaden me because Hinduism and Buddhism is just as cultural as what Islam is, as what Judaism is, as what Protestantism is, as Catholicism is. There's all these different cultures, whether it be Protestant culture, Catholic culture, Muslim culture. And would it not be true that our primary message is not... Stop being a Jew and start being a Christian. Stop being a Catholic and start being a Protestant. Stop being a Muslim and start being a Christian. That's not our message. The message of the New Testament is never, never convert to a different religion. That's not the message. The message is regardless of where you are in faith right now, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, whether you're a heathen, whether you're a pagan, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a Hindu, follow Jesus. Would you like to come with me and follow Jesus? Would you like to believe in Jesus who is alive? Would you like to believe in Jesus who is the king, who's bringing a kingdom that's going to set everything right on this earth. Would you like to follow Jesus? Now, why am I, why, you know, why am I here? Why am I doing that? Why am I saying that? Why do you keep saying that? Because I'm really troubled that that's not the message that's going to the Jewish world. It's not the message that's going to the Muslim world. It's not the message that's going to the Catholic world or the Presbyterian world or the Episcopalian world. We have created a culture of American evangelicalism. And we're saying, if you'll become that, then you become this. And we've got to say no. Because that's not our heritage. That's not what the story is about. The story is about inviting people, wherever you meet them, and wherever they are, to come follow Jesus with you. Come follow Jesus. My story is about following Jesus. A friend of mine recently told me, uh, of a friend of his that just is really struggling. Well, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a church background, you know. Uh, uh, so, but you know, you're my friend, and you know, if you just want me to come to church with you, yeah, you know, just out of, I'll do it. And wisely, my friend said, you know, I know, I don't want you to come to church with me. It's not about church; it's about Jesus. And until you know Jesus, it, going to church, I mean, that that's doesn't do you much good. So let's just, let's just talk about Jesus. So this is my hope from the story into our life. May our conversations be about Jesus. Who is he? 
What is he inviting us into? Don't worry about that. Church happens later. What about Jesus? What do people around us know about Jesus? Mordecai, did you notice? In his story, Jesus was a renegade. And the New Testament was about the persecution of Jews. Isn't that sad? Now somebody told him that and told his grandparents that. And that was a tradition that was passed on. Let's be part of a tradition that reverses that. Our story is about Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Do you want to follow Jesus? Okay, deal? All right, let's pray together. We're gonna, as, as we pray, I'm going to kind of ask us to cluster together. Uh, does, anybody, does anybody have a Jewish friend that maybe for the, you know, maybe through the years that you've enjoyed that friendship and, and maybe, you know, unknowingly part of your deal has been trying to convert them to Christianity rather than just invite them to follow Jesus? Anybody have a Jewish friend? Got one? Stand up. Stephen is, has a Jewish. Anybody else? Now we got two. Would you two get together? Okay, right over there. There you go. Okay. There is a distinction between relatives and friends, yes. They're relatively friends. See? That's what he, that's what he said, right? I heard that. Would you like to go join that group? Okay. Do any of us have Catholic friends? Again, love them. Through the years, we've, we've, you know, maybe unknowingly, we've just been trying to get them to, to stop being Catholic, start being Protestant, rather than just focus on Jesus. Anybody else have any Catholic friends? Okay, would you all kind of cluster over there? All right. Now, do any of us have any Muslim friends? And, and, you know, gosh, gosh, by golly, by gum, by gosh, you know, by, right by now, if you're just listening to the news around you, you know, you just got to convert them from Islam to Christianity. Uh, and, I mean, if you, okay, if you have some Muslim friends, why don't you come over here and make that a group that... Then let me just kind of do it. There's two general groups I'd like to do. One would be uh, any other religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, anybody have any friends? Again, you, you, you're friends, but you just keep trying to convince them, stop being that and start being this. Anybody have any friends there? We've got one. Anybody else? You don't want somebody to pray alone. Are you, are you trying to decide if you're, you're in that group? Okay. <laughs> Okay, that's great. Okay, here's another. Here's another group you can be. There's two. Okay, the unchurched people that just have no religious background, but they're curious about Jesus. Okay, last is uh, those of you that are trying to convince other Protestants that they're in the wrong Protestant branch and they need to be in the right <laughs> Protestant branch. And you've been trying to do that for years, okay? And it's not working. So today you're learning, you know, I'm going to stop doing that, and we're just going to start talking about Jesus, okay? 
All right, so would you just take time and pray for your friends and pray for yourselves and pray that the Holy Spirit would empower all of us to keep the focus on Jesus and the conversation on Jesus. So let's, let's end our time in ministry to one another and to our friends not in the room with us, okay? All right, thank you.